You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello and welcome to episode 389 of Video Monsters. I'm Nathan. I'm Eric. I'm Dan. And tonight we're getting metaphorical with the talented Mr. Kevin. That's right, tonight we're discussing Parasite from 2019, directed by Bong Joon-ho. Ah, oh, I like it, yeah. This, this movie is so metaphorical. <laughs> it is <laughs> so metaphorical and it is also so very much the uh, talented Mr. Ripley. That's really funny. That is not so. You and I were discussing. We were discussing, discussing something, something yesterday. Different. Um, we were sort of on the same page, but also not. Um, that's a very interesting can of worms that I would like to open up, though. Mm-hmm. Well, don't worry because that can's going to be opened. Yeah. Be- because well, I, I have, I have thoughts on that. <laughs> that sounds. Uh, Sounds, sounds familiar. Uh, I literally have two notes in my list of things for us to discuss. So, oh, wow. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you is, got a lot out of this movie. I, well, that's the thing. I got so much out of this movie, but I was also watching it when I wasn't able to take notes. And and so I was just like soaking all of it in. And and I couldn't, I, I didn't want to pause it to write those notes down. It's like, all right, I'm just, I, I'm just going to remember nothing because I don't need to remember anything about it. I just need to experience this movie. And for me, there are two very main themes that come across that are related. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll get to that in, in just a minute. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited and, and trepidatious about uh, what your, <laughs> what your impressions of this movie are. Cause I've been, you know, for three years now, I've been trying to get you to watch this fucking movie. <laughs> Look, dude, we've talked about this. Uh, oh, my, I know, I know. Me not watching movies has nothing to do with whether or not I want to watch them. I obviously very much wanted to watch Parasite. Like when it first came out, it was like, I need to watch this movie. And everything that I would see about it was like, I need to watch this movie. And then I just kept not watching this movie. Uh, and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch it. I need to. I'm, I, I will. One of these days. And uh, just too many other movies, you know. I had to watch Nightmare Shark and Cruel Jaws and uh, Shock Treatment six times. There, I'd priority. Okay, I take okay? back everything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> we are no longer in solidarity at that point. <laughs> Cruel Jaws, maybe, but uh, the rest of that stuff, I don't know. I don't know about that. Sure, sure. Uh, so yeah, tonight we're discussing uh, Parasites and uh, Dan. Do you have the the uh, the summary ready? Of course I do. Good. Before we get your Dan summary, never lets us down. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, before we get to that, I'll give a quick rundown of how we even got to Parasite uh, through the Korean, the South Korean popcorn punch out. 
Uh, let's see. Parasite was the top audience choice. And then in round one, it went up against Old Boy. And, and it won. Uh, and then the audience uh, chaos uh, Old Boy, which, which I love. <laughs> and then in round two, Parasite went up against I Saw the Devil. And it lost. And Eric decided to use one of his chaos cards to advance Parasite. And so then in the... Um, in the chaos bracket, old boy and parasite once again went up against each other, but this time parasite won out. So, so yeah, parasite had a very interesting journey, uh, it, getting to where we were eventually going to discuss it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, a, a much more circuitous journey than I would have expected because this just kind of seemed like an inevitable winner to me. <laughs> Um, it, I guess though, I guess that, that was a little. If if any other Bong Joon Ho movie had advanced, <clears throat> would Parasite have actually made it to the end? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, because we'll we'll get to this uh, a little bit more in in a few minutes. But like Dan, you said that you didn't really want to discuss this one, uh, and I'm very curious as to why. But we will get there in just a minute. So let's go ahead and start with the summary uh, and Video Monsters recommendation. All right. What would you do to get ahead? To escape your lowly shit water-filled station that society has decided you need to stay at? Would you lie on your resume or under a coffee table if it meant that you didn't have to fold pizza boxes for enough money to barely eat? Would you bullshit a helicopter mom about her child's lack of artistic ability in order to have some good Wi-Fi? Would you endanger someone's life or possibly ruin their reputation in order to step into their role so that you can step out of the basement apartment that is frequently mistaken for a urinal? Would your sociopathic tendencies enable the most dangerous peach fuzz outside of a high school prom date? Bong Joon-ho knows his (laughs) answers, and with Parasite, he's created a more morality tale that isn't afraid to point a finger or his camera every institution that works its hardest to keep people down and encourage a world where we will climb on each other in order to achieve any level of success video monsters highly recommends parasite guaranteed to make you check your basement every time the whites blink (laughs) that's good yeah i record in my basement and i uh don't like it uh, I'm I'm definitely one of those people that uh, runs up the stairs really fast when the lights are off. <laughs> I realize my cat's going fucking insane by. Oh my god, Dan! At one point, your cat—I don't know what happened—but it like did a triple backflip off of the top of its off of its perch there, and I had to mute myself because I was laughing so hard. It's going bananas. Yeah, as soon as. Oh you- yeah, she. I had a uh, like five hour um, Zoom call training last week where it was all like very serious stuff about trauma and kids and things that happened to them. And she was doing that the entire fucking time. (laughs) And like the the presenter made us keep our like Zoom cameras on. Right. Yeah. And I'm just like, I can just tell like everyone's eyes are just doing this in every other camera, like watching her fucking Zoom. (laughs) I mean, like, that's very therapeutic. Cat videos are therapeutic. I think you were just offering a, you know. Yeah. It it was also so perfectly timed because, uh, you know, your description started out with what would you do to get ahead as your cat jumps up (laughs) and tries to, like, climb on the the door frame. 
but misses, Ooh. and so it just falls. And so it's like, <laughs> what would you do to climb the social ladder as your cat just fucks around and falls off it's in the background? It was the, these these are the Bong Joon Ho stairwell right here. Right, yeah, it's the, very the, it's it's so metaphorical. Yeah, it's all about platforms and levels, man. Uh, the uh, say it's so metaphorical so many times. The the, the cat bell <laughs> is just uh, trying to send out Morse code for send more catnip. Uh, all right, yeah, we we all adore this movie. I love this movie so much. So Eric, you can put all of your fears at ease. <laughs> Did you seriously I, think I, I that I wasn't you. going to like this movie? I mean, come on. No, no. We've talked about I just about don't know this. what you would expect from it. Like, this movie is so interesting because it is... I mean, Bong Joon-ho is... Obviously, he's a very celebrated filmmaker, and he was before Parasite came out. But he's also, <clears throat> like, at least from what I know of what you've seen of his, Nathan, like, he's very much a genre filmmaker, makes monster movies and shit. Like, we've, we've talked about The Host before... And this movie feels like it's a little bit outside of that wheelhouse to a certain extent. I don't know. I mean, I yes guess, and, no. I guess yes it's not when you no. compare both, it to some of his earlier stuff. Both Mother and Memories of Murder are very much along these lines. Well, and even it's, with the host, like it, it has a genre framework, but that is not what the story's mm-hmm. about. And like we even talked about that, we're like, yeah, it's a giant monster movie. It, it is not a giant monster movie. It is a, a, a story about right. family and it's a story about, um, you know, like realizing your potential. And it's a story about trying to trying to work together to, um, to to better your situation, the situation of those around you, while not only dealing with this oppressive monster, but also dealing with the oppressive river monster. Uh, and so like we mm. talked about that, where in the host, there's so many themes at play that the monster is just representing one of those themes. So, yeah. So like, yeah, it's a little bit different, but the, the, the story that's being told is so similar. It's just the framework in which it's being told is what changed. Right. I I find is movies, the, uh, the more genre based pictures, the the more ones with like monstery type stuff like this and Snowpiercer and, um, Okja. People are nicer to each other in those films. That is true, yeah. It's very the true. Other, the other ones like This Mother and Memories of Murder, which I'm, it's like the holy trinity for me of his films. Like, people are just fucking awful to each other throughout those movies. Right, yeah. Like, there are no good guys in those films. Yeah. But, you know, the ones with, the ones like Okja and Snowpiercer, like, there's a clear, these people are good, root for them. These people are bad. Uh, yeah, yeah so, they, they are following more of those kind of archetypal storylines to a certain extent. I think my hesitation before rewatching it is like there's this kind of Oscar effect with Parasite where like since it had been a few years since I had watched it, in my mind it was a much um it was a much more like highbrow kind of film, I guess. You know, every I feel like that's kind of how I was looking at it and then rewatching it. I'm like, Oh no, this movie is phenomenal and great. And like, it totally deserved to win all these Oscars and stuff, but it's not like Oscar baby. It's like, it's supremely entertaining film. It is so funny and so thrilling to watch, but it's like, it's, it's under the guise of this, like of like a social message kind of movie of like the typical style of like upstairs, downstairs, Oscar drama, Oscar bait drama 
that you would expect, but it is, that's just not the kind of movie that it actually is. Yeah, the, that make sense? the only thing about this movie that I would say felt, you know, as you say, Oscar bait E and, uh, and, and I need to, I need to preface this with, I'm not saying this as a bad thing and I'll clarify it in just a second, but the only yeah, part same. about it that felt a little bit like uh, that. Yeah, I, I could, I could see how this feels like an Oscar bait movie is the music. And, and I don't mean that as any sort of knock against the music because I loved it and it was wonderful and amazing uh, and, and it was very effective and it did really draw me in, but because it did kind of have more of that orchestral, very sweeping, like it, it had a very grand feel to the music. And even though I do think that there are grand themes at play, the story is a relatively simple one, relatively small cast, uh, only a couple of, of locations. And so at times it almost felt like the music was um it, it at, at times it felt like the music was more grand than what you were watching and and again like i don't mean that in a bad way because i do think that it worked but it was one of those things where if you were just listening to the music like like if you had never seen parasite before and you were watching like a highlight reel i could see this music being the one that's played at the oscars because it does have that very grand feel about it you know does that make sense yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah. I think the other hesitation I had too is just that, like, you know, Dan and I both said it's impossible for this movie to, you know, despite having like high expectations going into it, I feel like it's impossible to be let down by it. But there was still that little thing in the back of my head where it's like you're going into a movie that's like the highest rated film of all time on Letterboxd and it's won all these, it's like the only South Korean film to ever win an Oscar, the only non English language film to win Best Picture, all that. Like, it has so many of these accolades that have been thrown onto it that like there was still a little bit in the back of my mind where I was like, maybe Nathan's expectations might be too high. I don't know. Yeah. And I can understand that, you know, especially with uh, our recent conversations about things like, uh, you know, Shawshank Redemption and, um, uh, Oh my God, why am I drawing a blank on the other one with the kids walking across the train tracks? Why did my brain stand, stand by me? Thank you. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like stand by me and Shawshank Redemption. There was definitely a lot of that also at play of just like, you know, the, these are so such highly glorified movies. Are they going to live up to the hype? And, and there was a little bit of yes and no for those movies with me where it was just like, yes, these movies are absolutely amazing. Do they deserve that level of hype? I, yes no but also yes but also so um so yeah I, I i adored those movies they were amazing and perfect and i can't wait to rewatch them but i did have a little bit of that fear as well going into parasite i was a little concerned that it just wasn't gonna be as as great you know i i was a little concerned that it was gonna be fine but i also um tried to keep those expectations at bay and, and think more about what has my experience been with Bong Joon-ho, not what has my experience been with the way that other people have talked about him. So thinking about movies mm-hmm. like The Host, uh, and, and, or uh, just Host, and, um, and thinking about how much I love that movie and the themes that are at play and what you're watching is different from what you're experiencing and just all of these other elements, I was like, that's what I'm going in expecting. I'm expecting a Bong Joon-ho film that just thankfully finally gets the accolades that it deserves. The one thing that, uh, and, and uh, the, the one piece that my expectations were not met 
is not a um, like I was disappointed, but just a huh. This is different than what I expected because because I had heard so much about it and because the movie spoilers, by the way, we're going to get into spoilers, major spoilers. If you've never listened to us before, we analyze the shit out of movies and we're going to talk about the ending. We're going to get very deep into things. So if you've never seen Parasite, go watch it It as a fucking perfect movie. Stop listening to us and go watch Parasite. It's perfect and amazing. Uh, If you have listened to us, you know what you're uh, getting into. Um. So, like, I, I had heard some of the uh, the things surrounding it, obviously, over the last few years, and so I knew that it took a bit more of a horrific turn towards the end. And I didn't know the details of the people in the sub basement, but like, I kind of knew that there was a little bit more going on. So I knew some of that, and and so I was actually expecting it to be a lot more horrific. I was huh. not expecting it to be so funny. And and that's the part that for me, I was so surprised and kept me and kept me loving this movie throughout the entirety is it jumps straight into the humor and the humor is very human and it's not really dark humor, but it's just based off of real human suffering. And, and so it, it, it's weird because it's like, they're not trying to make a joke out of it. It's just funny to to watch some of these uh, absurd things happening because of that absurdity uh and and so yeah that humor for me was what was driving so much of the movie that when it that i also kept expecting it to get darker and so when it finally did it was almost like that was finally the release of oh well yeah this is where it finally gets dark but I mean, it's not really getting that dark. It's kind of sad, I guess. And so, like, that was the only part where it didn't live up to expectations. I was expecting this to be much, much more of a horror movie. I was expecting it to be a lot more sinister. I was expecting some of the things that happen at the end of the movie or some of the things that happen at the birthday birthday party and after. I was expecting that to be a much more prolonged uh, aspect of the movie right. not just a uh, here's a culmination of just the shit hitting the fan um mm-hmm. but, but yeah like aside from that this movie's great like how dare you doubt my whether or not i was gonna love this movie <laughs> uh what i'm curious about though dan you said that you did not want to discuss this one why mm-hmm. i am i am i have assumptions but i'm so <laughs> curious as to why because it's just been talked about like <laughs> it's we're, we're shining a spotlight on a film that's been in the sun for years so i don't know it's <laughs> it's like talking about the beatles white album you know it's <clears throat> it's such a great it's it's so universally accepted as brilliant that i feel like at this point even with an Alice, we're going to turn into the Chris Farley show, where it's just like that part. That part was fucking awesome, and, and that part that was fucking awesome. Well, so it's so it's it, it's hard for me to feel like we're saying something that hasn't already been said eighteen times. So I've not listened to it's kind every of intimidating single. To yeah. <clears throat> okay. So the only, I feel like the only way we could come up with a hot take was if we said something just abhorrently stupid. You know. Oh man, let's do it. That's All where right, I come man. in. I got, I'm gonna. All right, so, <laughs> so yeah, we have our Nathan's take. So I've not listened to every single critique or or analysis of uh, of Parasite, and so uh, there might the things that I took out of this movie might be things that other people have also said. Uh, 
However, uh, the main thing that I've heard about Parasite... <laughs> I love Dan's cat. <laughs> There's just a tail across the screen. Yeah. Uh, the cats cat are awesome. <laughs> the cat's like, hey, yeah, we've heard it before. Uh, so even though I've not listened to everything, and it's possible that this has been said elsewhere, the majority of the the analyses that I've heard about Parasite over the years have all been dealing with class. They've all been dealing with uh, with that social structure and uh, you know the the sort of upstairs downstairs aspect of it all. The the fact that um, the, the fact that the rich people live so high up on the hill and the poor people live not only like so far down the hill, but then like down all these stairs and like there's just such a such a huge discrepancy between their statuses in, in wealth and social class. And it is like abundantly uh, represented through through the metaphor. Uh, it's so metaphorical. Of, of the actual height of where their places are, uh, you know, the, the way that water is treated in terms of water always flows downhill, uh, and so therefore so does shit, and, and the way that, you know, like uh, when the rain is happening, um, when the rich family is going to take their kid camping, and it's just kind of like, oh, well, it didn't work out, but, you know, lemons into lemonade, this is, we're, we're just going to make this into a little garden party, where at the same time, like, that's where everything fell apart, um, uh is, is it park is it the park family um the park family is um the rich family right yeah and then the kims yeah the kims are the poor family and okay, the parks yeah. are the rich family so so you know where, where everything fell apart for the kims was when it was raining and so you know like literally all of the shit flowing downhill and when everything is falling apart for them that's when all of the um all of the the sewers are also flooding into their home. And so like there's all of that stuff that has clearly been talked about so, so, so very much. The other main element that, that I took from this, and Dan, you actually addressed a lot of this in your summary, is about authenticity. So it's not just about that social class, but it's also about that sort of acceptance and, and understanding of who you are. And how much of yourself are you willing to to deny or to sacrifice or or to lie about? Like how much of how willing are you to be inauthentic to gain social status? And so there is an interplay between the two, but um, it, it's when you know it, it, when I was making my notes and I made the joke about talented Mr. Kevin, and when I realized how much of this felt like talented Mr. Ripley, that that's where it kind of dawned on me. It's like. This isn't just about them trying to get money. They are trying to be other people. They're not just trying to gain wealth to better who they are. It's not like this is just a temporary, well, you know, let's let's just be here and and take all this money and, and store it up and invest it so that we can then better our situation. They're trying to be different people. And I have other um, other elements that can support that, but that's my main yeah. takeaway <clears throat> from it. Was yes, of course, the obvious social status that has been discussed ad infinitum but the, the authenticity of being who you are yeah I, I think that's what's what stands out most to me about this movie is that it's ultimately like two different movies the first movie mm-hmm. is like a heist film right where like it's this like fast paced like thrilling caper where they're trying to figure out like how to create their what do they call it like a belt of trust where they keep yeah. it, like in in my notes, I called this film Oceans Four. <laughs> right, yeah, that's exactly what it nice. feels like. It's they're trying to they're scheming their way 
to insinuate themselves into the lives of these rich people. You know, initially, it's just this opportunity that one of them gets. And he's like, oh, yeah, that'll be nice because we are poor. Like, we are just desperately poor. We're folding pizza oh. boxes for money. And that's, oh, that's what makes it a free fumigation. <laughs> like when they're... Well, that's what makes it such a unique heist film is the big score at the end for them is jobs. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's, not, like it's not, you know, a, a priceless diamond or the vaults of a casino. It's gainful employment is what's yep. considered the big mm -hmm. win. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's it's so brilliant, too, because I think that for most people, it's an incredibly um, it's an incredibly relatable thing. You know, I mean, like for me growing up, my dad was a uh, was like a private contractor. He would paint houses mostly, but he would do it for rich people all the time. And he would like <coughs> take me to the job site sometimes just so we could like walk around these rich people's houses and like, marvel mm -hmm. at you know, what they you know what their lives must be like which this movie like gets that feeling so well um mm. and and I, I love though that like this movie starts you off on such a high where it's like yes they did it they're in this great position or whatever and then ultimately the undoing of the heist is the way that they are like so many of these kind of like <clears throat> class warfare movies or whatever are about the working class coming together in solidarity to take down the rich or whatever. This movie is about like the opposite of that, where the working class, I mean, this is the real, like more of the reality of it. It's like the working class is tearing each other apart to keep the rich people comfortable but, or, you know, to, to keep their place there. You know, there's the whole argument that the family gets into about like, no, we need to look out for ourselves. Um, uh. You know, because ultimately the way that they, uh, achieve their heist is by, you know, assaulting a woman with a peach allergy and framing a guy uh, for having sex in the car and like forcing them to fire these people. And yeah. of course, because they're polite, rich people, they won't uh, actually talk to the the people that yeah. they employ. They just yeah, and it's not just some polite excuse. It's not just sex in the car. It's that the guy would have had the, you know, the balls to have sex in the back of the car. <laughs> right, he crossed the line. Obviously doesn't belong. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. as long as that partition, it was like, why couldn't he have just done it in the front seat? You know? Yeah, the, the weird, like, kind of arbitrary rules that Mr. Park has for, like, what is considered crossing the line is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit. But Yeah. Um, yeah, see, and, yeah, I, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I just think that's what's what ultimately I, I think works so much about this movie is that it's it is I don't want to say that it's nihilistic, but I think it's just like presenting you the reality of the situation mm -hmm. of most poor people and how, you know, they don't. I, I think that so often the we like to blame other poor people for our problems. You know, mm -hmm. we don't, we don't recognize the fact that so many of the problems that people in the working class face mm -hmm. are due to people who yeah. are, you know, due to like billionaires and shit, like constantly well, keeping us down and making us think mm -hmm. that we're like each other are the problem. Well, it's because, and I mean, this film does it perfectly. The rich don't bother to notice. Yeah. Like right. I, I love the fact that like they the 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 couple 
think they have it all figured out with like the driver where it had to have been sex and drugs. Oh course, my god, that's, that's so brilliant. Yeah, he's like, they, he's like they oh, think she they left have without it. her panties. It's just a rational he said he even says like it's a rational observation or a rational yeah. uh you know, a rational they, guess they, or whatever based on the yeah. evidence I have that if she they, left her yeah. panties in the car, she must be on drugs. Like, they feel like they have it all figured out and then and you learn later in the movie that they've literally been having someone live under their nose for years. Yeah. And not just living under their nose, but like it it pushing the, uh, pushing the button to make the light go on the fritz. And they think just like, Oh, something's messing up with the sensor as he's trying to send out Morse code. (laughs) Yeah. But never go to actually try to fix it. Yeah. You know, cause that's not what they would do. You know, we're not fixing that. We're just, that's what it is. Well, there's there's also the fact that like at one, the point where um, the their little boy goes outside to like sleep in the tent mm-hmm. in the rain, and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Park start like you know fondling each other on the couch. They're like, oh no, what if he comes in? At at no point do they even question like whether you know their their maid would come in mm-hmm. and and catch yeah. them at all. It's it's just only if like oh what if the child comes in or they don't even question their daughter either like the daughter no. is even kind of put on the back burner. Well, and also so while they were doing that, the Kim family world. was also underneath the table, right in Again, front of right them, right under their nose. Yeah, yeah. So, literally smell them. So mm-hmm. a lot of what you're saying. And, 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 and again, like all of the, the all of the comments about class, all of the comments about social structure, like all of those, yes, absolutely. And I'm kind of with Dan of even though this was the first time that I watched it, so much of that discussion feels like, yeah, like that's that's been said before. Um, but a lot of that to me is also tying into that element of of again identity and authenticity, and 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 part of it. So I don't know how much of this could have actually gone this way, but as I was watching it, when uh, when the son first goes there to uh, to interview for the tutor job, and then the the mom is saying something about like oh you know my son blah 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 blah, and he gets the idea to have his sister come in and be like this art person, like she the 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 mother uh, the um what do you say the Park family is that right um. The the mom in the park family, uh, yeah, said you're talking about Ki Ki Jung. Yes, said I don't I care about oh, wait, your no, degree. No, no. Whatever the, the you, mom in the park family, Ki, whatever. Yeah, Mrs. Park. Yes, yes Mrs. Park. said I don't care about your degree. It's you know, are are you actually going to be able to help uh, help my daughter? And and so like that same to me, it was like okay, if she doesn't care about the degree, she cares a little bit more about the results. Then why did um and, and I, I'm so terrible with names i can't remember all of them uh but why did kiwook uh say oh well i know this other person it was a classmate of my cousin who all this other stuff that can uh come in and work with your son why didn't he just say my sister is an artist she can help your son learn his art and and again like i I understand some of the social structures i understand some of that stuff in place but to me there was that little piece in the back of my mind of why did he have to pretend so hard to be someone he wasn't? And Dan, I, I see you're like, I have a response, but let me get to the end of this. Of like, it, it, if, if he hadn't had to have pretended to be someone else, to lie about his sister being someone else, to lie about their mother being someone else, to lie about their dad being someone else, because all of them 
had those basic skills like you know the the dad had been a driver before he had those driving skills and and uh, mrs kim didn't care about the degree like to me there was enough of that foundation of i don't care about the degree i care about whether or not you're actually doing what you're supposed to and so to me it was like god all of this could have so easily been avoided if it was just like if, if they were more upfront about it and be like yes we are all a family here working together we can do all of the things that you need i understand the social structures like i get why we can talk a little bit about uh some of the lack of solidarity between uh, the lower socioeconomic uh class but but there was still that part of me where it's, where it's set in motion so many levels of lies and deceit and even the way that mrs kim didn't even want to call uh keybook by his name she wanted to call him kevin and and then um like wanting to call his sister jessica and so like having to use mm. these different names they're very fascinated so... with like american culture and mm-hmm. right. american yeah. culture that they ordered from the united states they order their stuff in the u.s because that's you know where good stuff comes from apparently <laughs> So, so there were just so many levels of of sort of having that facade that to me like that is a lot of what sets stuff in motion. All right, that that's enough of uh, of that. Dan, what is your response to all of that? Okay, number one, mom is full of shit. Um, she most <laughs> definitely cares that about the degree, and if she doesn't, dad one hundred percent cares about that degree. Yeah. It's dad, the whole. It's. it's that is status obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> recommending a family member would have crossed that line. And they are quick. They recognize that. That's because, fair. again, it's, it's, it's in the name of the goddamn film. But if you start saying, well, I can do this and my sister can do this and my mom can do this, that family has no interest in hiring a family. No interest in hiring a family. They want to hire the best of the best specialists. And they would recognize that if I said, oh, my sister's really good at this, that it would have been nepotism. And that family would not have engaged in that. No, we're only going to get the best. And there's no way your sister could be the best if you are the best at this. So, that, that no, is, thank you. And they would like to fire him, I think. That is very yeah. fair and, and a very, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's definitely, uh, I think, a fair critique of like, yeah, that's clearly why it didn't happen. But but I also think that both things can be true. And and this is where, again, like Eric, you said, it's it's almost like there's two different movies at once, at least two different movies at once. It's the interplay between the two. It's the interplay of the, the class structure and the identity structure. It's the way that because of the class structure, which is, again, so blatantly clear in this movie uh, and, and very rightfully so what uh, so many critiques of the analyses of this movie have been about. But it's also that identity, and, uh, and and both of you have already talked about how, you know, like the the people in the more grounded Bong Joon Ho films are so much more just mean, rather than the more fantastical ones, where it's almost like okay, this is a fantasy, and uh, this is where people are actually being nice to each other. Uh, I think that I sent both of you a video. I know that I sent it to Eric. Pretty sure I sent it to both of you. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a YouTube channel, uh, Just Right. And uh, and he did an analysis of Parasite a couple of years ago. And, and I think that it's a really good one looking at, well, not just Parasite, but all of Bong Joon-ho's films, where, um, where he gave the, a, a, an analysis of the more grounded 
of Bong Joon-ho's, Bong Joon-ho's films dealing with class have the uh, have the lower classes warring with each other because that is much more realistic. You know, like it doesn't matter how many people lose their jobs because of a robot. They're gonna blame immigrants because they're here stealing our jobs. No, it's the rich fuckers who are finding cheaper ways to fuck you out of your job. Like it, it, it is. Yeah, it's all about the profit margin. Exactly. You know? <laughs> it's, um, it's the pursuit of capital. Exactly. Whereas in in the more fantastical movies, it's more of like that idealism of okay, because there is this bigger structure in place, because there is this government, or because there is this upper <clears throat> class which is getting in the way of all of our happiness. Let's all band together and tear the system down. And that is fantasy. And, and I find that so fascinating um, be, because of, because of how tragic and just sad and depressing that is of the mm. fantasy movies. That's where you can be optimistic because that's clearly a dream, a realistic movie it doesn't matter how much you try to better your situation. You're still going to get stabbed with a shish kebab skewer at a birth uh, skewer at a birthday party by someone in just as bad of a situation as you rather than, uh, you know, <laughs> tearing down the systems that, that are actually oppressing you. Which, to be fair, I think they do kind of bring it on themselves to a certain extent. Like... Oh, sure. It's, I mean, that's, but they bring they like, bring it on yeah. themselves because of the system, right? Yeah. It. I mean, again, it is it is ultimately like you know they're. I love. There's a line that uh, Mrs. Kim has at one point where she and it's kind of like the whole movie in a nutshell, where basically she says like, "If I were as rich as her, I could afford to be nice." Right. You know, mm-hmm. it is this very much like there's they see the world as this very dog eat dog thing like. I understand that these other people are struggling here, but so am I, and I have to do what's best for me and my family or whatever. Um, I also love that you bring up the fact that this is a more grounded film as opposed to his, you know, more fantastical films, because I ultimately, like, my biggest takeaway from this movie is that this is a fantasy for these people. Like, all of these people are living in their own kind of fantasy world. You know, like, like I said before, there's the when they succeed with their heist, you get the scene of them like playing at being rich after the, the parks mm-hmm. have gone on their camping trip and they're, you know, acting like, you know, they're taking a, uh, 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 I can't think of her name. The daughter of the Kim family, uh, Ki Jung is like taking a big bubble bath and, uh, you know, they're drinking whiskey, which they think is very high class, which is is funny later on when the uh, other family gets to play out their fantasy and come up from the basement. You know, they're like, oh, I can't believe you're over here just drinking whiskey instead of like going outside and looking at the stars and listening to music or whatever, like enjoying the arts. Um, <clears throat> but even like. Uh, but yeah, so they're playing out the fantasy, which, you know, of course, like almost immediately comes crashing down on them. Even to the point where, um, like, Ki Woo, he starts fantasizing about, like, he wants to date the daughter that he's tutoring, the, you know, the sophomore in high school daughter. Um, it, age of consent is different in places other than America. It is true. It is true. But they also keep saying, like, I'm not going to ask her until she's at university or whatever. But, <clears throat> but even he's, like, 
playing out the scenario in his head about how like, oh yeah, we can hire actors to play my parents. <laughs> so that way we don't give away ourselves to them or whatever. So we can continue doing this. So like, I, you know, you get the sense that he absolutely knows that this is not something that could ever actually happen, but he's still indulging in the fantasy anyway. Well, and and that also just like the end of the movie. I mean, of course, which I don't want to get all the way to the end of the movie yet, but the end of the movie is the same thing. This whole thing is just like the the fantasy that so many people have and the reason why so many people are so like willing to you know, stroke fucking Elon Musk's ego on Twitter or whatever is because they see themselves in him and they're like, oh yeah, if he can do it, I can do it. You know, n never mind the fact that his, his father had a fucking diamond thing or whatever. I don't so, even know. What I'm, I'm going to come back to that in just a second with all I have to do is just get rich. I'm, I'm going to come back to that. Right. Yeah. It's so, like money will solve all of my problems but, but and again, I can be rich by working hard. And, and like, I, I don't, first off, I don't feel like either of you are necessarily disagreeing with me. So I certainly hope that I'm not coming across as defensive. I'm not. No, 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 no. It's, no, it's no, just no. like, Ooh, yes. Everything that you're saying to me only feeds into my theory because even with Kiwu, uh, when he's talking about like, I, I could live this life. I could, uh, you know, marry the daughter proper and like, we could just be a permanent part of this. I could hire someone else to, to play my family. Mm. E even then there is still a focus on denying who you are and having other people have to pretend to, to be that family. And there's such yeah. a continued, there's such a continued theme of lack of authenticity of who you are. And I feel like that is part of the ultimate undoing because it's uh, it, it's when Kiwu is, you know, they're they're um, in the in that giant gym or whatever after their house flooded, and he's holding onto that rock, and and you start realizing he's going to do something stupid. Like right, you, yeah. you just get that feeling, and then when he's making out with a daughter, and he's like, "Do do you feel like I belong here?" or whatever it is that he says. Basically, he's asking her, "Do I fit?" Yeah. The or the party he's yeah. out there looking outside the window and he's like do i fit in here yeah and so it's, yeah oh go ahead it, it's because he's had to deny who he is for so long it, during the process uh, of the the plot of parasite that it finally gets to the point where he's just like i can't do this anymore the only way that we can continue is to kill off this sub piece of us you know the the people living in the basement. It's almost like a a, a splintering of their identity. You know, you could also uh, look at this movie in a very Freudian id ego super ego sort of way, um, where uh, where you know, like they are all representing different parts of the same person. But you know, he's like, we have to kill off this poor side. We have to kill off the people in the sub basement because we can't let our secret ever be known. You know, the 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 people living in the basement are the physical manifestation of their lies mm -hmm. and when he goes and tries to kill them he trips on the stairs and drops his rock and uh <laughs> and, and 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 that sub basement person then ends up killing him and smashing him over the head with the rock and so like yeah you can look at it as uh you know more of revenge because they killed his wife all this other stuff but for me <clears throat> when that happened it was more of like you can't deny this primal aspect of who you are. And so when he went down to try to kill off the poor side of himself so that he could more easily fit into the rich side, like that is where he was ultimately undone when he tried, when, when he tried to kill off a part of himself to be fully someone that he wasn't. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that he should have embraced and the poor side, but 
that, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, you discussed it with a lack of authenticity. There is no way for this family to move up in this right. world. Yeah, they have to deny who they, they are to create to. the opportunity for themselves. And yeah. the, the ironic yeah. part of it too is like they're actually like very good at their jobs. Yeah, you know, like they yeah. do good work. It seems like even if yeah, they're well, blustering the their way through it. Well, okay, I would say that Kiwu's not I very good at his job. He just work. kind of. <laughs> Yeah, I made note how like they were each perfectly cast to take down their specific mark because Key was a Key Wu when he was given the job. He was given the job by his friend who was like, "I don't see you as a sexual threat." Right. Like, he I like it because Earl. he's non threat. I want you I to be that. the tutor because she will never ever fall for you. It which a- Key Wu then. I, I think that it was more of like, I don't think that you have the balls to ever try to actually make a move where he was like, I don't want all of yeah. these frat right, boys yeah, he slobbering looks down over on her. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. 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 Um, Ki Jun, the first thing she does is separate the helicopter mom from her child, which the, the helicopter mom finds is incredibly impressive. And then she knows enough to just pick out the stupidest fucking part of this kid's finger blatherings and say, <laughs> this, this is genius right here. Noticing that, you know, she's, they're all keen observers. So she notices like the same thing appears in all his fucking paintings. So of course that's the mark of genius, even though the kid is not a good artist at all. <laughs> um, but she, she, she perfectly knows that the mother will respect her by making her separate. Cause that's a, pretty bold step your first day on the job and you're like no leave yeah. you know this is i'm here for him you need to get the fuck out right um and the dad knows to be deferential to the other dad and has his like little american psycho thing you know with the whole business card <laughs> and shit and you left that co- you 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 turned down that company to work for me <laughs> right yeah it elevates I, the dad and they and their mom knows that they're up, that the other mother is beleaguered like she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing as a mom so she spends all of her time like oh i can help you with this even though you obviously wouldn't need my help with this because you're so wonderful as a mother right each, each single one of them know the exact part they have to play so while they literally have a scene of them like do yeah. with the scripts and they yeah. know exactly oh God, how the mother is going part. to respond yeah. they, they cross cut between so, those moments because like these rich people are so they they've been in the situation yeah. for so long they know exactly how all of these rich people think yeah so and, while we while we while we might think that they're not showing authenticity we they actually are because they're authentically grifters like this <laughs> is what they're born to be they are born to be grifters not anything else that's, that's yeah, just due to the circumstances that they're, I mean, that's that's what yeah. they have to do to survive. Yeah. You know? Otherwise, they will be living in that basement folding pizza boxes for the rest of their goddamn lives. And it even shows in that initial scene when the pizza box woman shows up. And I thought it was such a cool way, the way that uh, Bong filmed it. They literally swarm around that woman. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they circle her like a pack of lions or something. Yeah, I, I yeah, I put a pack of wolves. I think in my notes, but yeah, they literally oh, yeah. circle her. But instead of like you know, taking her down like a pack animal, would they they throw they throw their game out there? Yeah, mm-hmm. they, you know they they, just, they, they work. The, they know how to work now. the con and how to overwhelm in that particular because it works on that woman because that woman's station is not terribly much higher than theirs. Yeah, so they know that 
I, they they seemingly know how to swindle everyone they come across until they come across people who are at their same exact station. At which point they like, well, fuck, we better hit them with a rock. <laughs> yeah, we we have to result back to like our primal like animalistic exactly. ways of dealing. Their with only these thing problems. is tie them up and lock them in the basement, hit them with rocks because they don't know how to con people who are at their same station. Well, right, it's because they're, also, they're encountering other people who are just as desperate as they are. Well, yeah, yeah. and the scene where uh, the, the former maid calls Mrs. Kim's uh, sister, mm-hmm. or sis, and then Kim turns yeah. right around. Oh, yeah. Or sorry, Park, not Kim. Uh, and, and then uh, Mrs. Right? No, shit. Kim, the Kims are the poor family. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, then well, Mrs. Kim, uh, when the family falls down, like immediately turns around and calls her sis. Like, th- th- this yeah. is one of the things that I love so much about Bong Joon Ho and the way that he directs his films and the way that he is able to take a story in and really bring you into it. Uh, his, his ability to work with pacing and know which elements need drawn out over the course of a film. And which elements need immediate payoff? Like it is almost surgical precision, you know. Like yeah. there's the, the he the never whole... overcomplicates anything. Like he he just, uh, I mean, he gives you like I, I've seen people criticize this movie for being very on the nose with its metaphor. But yeah, like I think that it's not that it's on the nose. I think that everything, every single line of dialogue in this movie has Oof. like layers upon layers of meaning. But on its surface, it's very simple and easy to comprehend the stakes of what's going on. Yeah. And, well, like and, it, even, and it still feels authentic. Like it feels like these are real people having real conversations. And yeah, yeah. even even that element of uh, of the, the two um, the, the two maids calling each other sis. It's not like there was a scene at the beginning of the movie where Mrs. Kim uh, encounters someone who tries to call her sis and she's like, no, whatever, all you're doing is dragging me down. It's not like there is some initial setup that then much later has that payoff. It is the immediacy of one person asking for help and, and Mrs. Kim being like, why should we help you? You know, you are, all you're doing is dragging us down. We don't need to help you. And then immediately we need your help you're going to destroy yeah. us. And, and, and again, it's the way that that's mm. played so immediately to show how quickly to, to show how quickly, uh, not allegiances, but to show, uh, to show how, what their actions and, and their decisions are. They're made based off of that sort of immediate need. There's not that future planning. There isn't any mm. sort of thinking about like, well, you know, a few months ago we were in the situation. Sure. All she's asking for is just to set some food aside. We can totally like, there's no thinking of the past. Big. It wasn't, it was just send some fucking food down to this guy once in a while. If you could. Right. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't thinking about where they were before. She wasn't thinking about what might happen in the future. It was only based off of that immediacy and the way that that play, the way that that scene plays out immediately again, I think is a perfect example of taking those thematic elements and presenting them through the cinematic language. And, and again, mm-hmm. like that's why this is an Oscar winner. It's um, yeah. among so many other reasons, but it's the fact that, that Bong Joon-ho is able to take all of these themes. And yes, yeah, some of them are on the nose, but they're only on the nose because of how much groundwork is set up. So that for most people watching it, it's like, yes, I get what you're doing here because you gave me all the information to get there. 
Mm-hmm. And and Dan, you said so many things that I want to address, and I'm trying to remember all of them. But Eric, <laughs> you have something that yeah. you want to say, so you say that while I jot down a few of my notes to make sure that I do not forget all of them. Uh, I don't know, man. There's so much to this movie. I can't even remember. I had like five different things too. But I, I wanted to, one thing I, I do love though that you were talking about um, in terms of just like how quickly the the tables turn um, with with the two women in the basement. Um, I love the, you know, with Mrs. Kim, whenever we talked about that line earlier where she says like, oh, if I were rich, then I would, you know, I could afford to be nice. But you, the movie almost immediately contradicts her because, you know, whenever she has the opportunity, she is the one who's in the position of authority to help these other people. And Mm -hmm. she is so afraid of any potential loss of that that she will immediately sell out these other people she she will not give up the even just the little the little thing that you mentioned of like sending some food down every now and then because of the risk of losing that power and uh i love it it's just like that a perfect thing where it's like yeah these rich people these people who are in a position of power are going to pretend to be nice to you for as long as they can or whatever but ultimately they don't give a shit about you. They are just using you. Um, and and yeah, I feel like this movie is basically just saying like even even someone like us, if we were given the if we, you know, won the lottery or whatever and became much more powerful than we are now, it would be really difficult to, you know, we can fantasize and say all day long, like, oh, yeah, if I were a billionaire, I would give away all my money to all the, you know, all these different causes and stuff. And I genuinely believe that I would not my wealth like most of these other people but like you, you never know what people are going to do when they're actually in that position of power well i mean this this family knows perfectly well how quickly they can be discarded because they engineered other people being quickly discarded. exactly yep. yeah they know like i mean honest the the maid was fired because they thought she might have tv didn't ask for a test or, oh, God. You know, or 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 take her to the doctor to make sure just oh He's been coughing, and oh, that might be blood on that napkin in the garbage. Yeah, she's got TV. She's fired. Oh, there were underpants. Of course, he must have been fucking a drugged out prostitute or something. Yeah. He's yeah, fired. They as well. immediately jump to the, those conclusions. Yeah, yeah. So they they know how tenuous their positions are. So I understand. I think why they. I get why they. F- we say, you know, all they had to do was take food down, but I understand why any loose string is something that has to be cut for them. I mean, because that's, th- their jobs are are balancing on a you know a very thin line, and they can be tossed away for no reason. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the most brilliant things about the movie too is that like you always fully understand why every single person in the movie is making every decision even when they're making a bad decision even when they're doing something mm-hmm. selfish it's like you fully understand why they would do that um yeah, yeah it's all right so great. uh i have lots of things that i want to talk about uh <laughs> so many things <sighs> dear god i love this movie seriously eric how could you think that i wouldn't love it and get my analysis brain going in full gear with all this i mean i i i, I know you love it i just i i'm never 100 percent sure of anything in my life so <laughs> that's very true much like much like the kim family they were ne- mm-hmm. i'm never 100 percent uh 
at ease. So I don't have a uh, a real logical order to how all of these things are going to flow from one to the next. So I'm just going to start. <laughs> yeah, with, just jump in. <laughs> I'm going to start with the one that uh, that Robert put in the chat of how he loves that. Uh, sorry, I want to make sure that I, I say this exactly. I uh, love that they have the quote unquote stink of poor and that smell just gets worse. And that is definitely one of the elements that I wanted to address of um, you know, in, in, and again, talking about that authenticity, talking about the like being who you are, and there are certain elements that you can't deny about yourself. And also, really quick aside, even though I don't think that any of you think that I'm saying this, I just want to make sure that I'm making it explicitly clear. I am not saying that being poor is an element of well, that's just who you are. You gotta accept being poor. That is not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is I think that part of what makes Parasite so great is it is using some of those elements such as class structure and showing the the different levels in society as a way to be metaphorical. We are going to say that so many times <laughs> of the different elements of who we are as person and there are just different elements about us and the quote unquote stink of the poor might be more of just mm-hmm. there are these more base elements about us that even though we want to uh, w- where we want to better ourselves and be better people, there might be some um, there just might be certain elements about us that are harder to to overcome. So I just want to make sure that I'm making that perfectly clear. I am not saying that social status is a uh, an element of permanence and if you're poor that's just the way that it is not what i'm saying at all it's like more than oh, metaphor but things. but it is no, but but what, I, but what i'm saying when you, when you when you look at i mean in our country most people don't ascend multiple stratas of wealth we what, just don't what? that's very you know, true I, what i mean I by like that i'm super rich now and i'm making like 51 grand a year what you I know mean, it's right yeah no i'm a- no, no, I, yes I'm- whereas i'm not even above the the you know the, the the most minimal of tax breaks when it comes to like oh well you know you're below this and of course you'll get that money and i'm like i don't know anyone above that again i'm so you're very true but i'm not talking about the social structures that actually keep uh, economic and and financial status in place. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about how the rich get richer and the poor get poor. That is an element of society that is true. What I mean by that is the way that some people say about people who are poor, like, oh, well, they the the sort of like the the lazy poor mindset of yeah. oh well why should I give that right. homeless person five bucks? They're mm-hmm. just going to use it to go get uh, to go get whiskey. It's more of that yeah. element that I'm saying. That's not what I'm talking about. I am mm-hmm. not saying yeah. that being poor is a personality trait. The the social mm-hmm. structures are in place that, yeah, the poor are fucked by the rich. That is true. Yeah, but all, all that's because the, the rich do think of it as a personality trait. Right. And and that's why it's a character. One of the most brilliant parts of the film is how he's talked about how, oh my God, you're such a wonderful driver. You know all these routes. You can do this, you can do that. And he builds him up so well. And then all he has to do to just send him crashing down is just sniffs the air. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, um, Key, Key Talk or whatever his name is, is right back to living in that basement again. Even though he's driving a fancy fucking car for a rich, rich guy. 
all it took was that quick, that subtle little reminder that, yeah, you smell. Right. And, and he's right back out. That, and that's the that's, one. That's the thing that levels the field for him where he recognizes like, oh, this guy was just like me. Like this guy just murdered his daughter. <laughs> yeah. And he still is so furious that that Mr. Park would be upset by the stink of this man who is dead. Yeah. Yes. And that is why I wanted to take a moment and clarify is because these because society does have that view of being poor is a personality trait and it doesn't matter how good you are at your job if you smell homeless then you're worthless because society has that i just wanted to make it clear that's not what i am saying that that's yeah, what yeah. that's why i wanted to give that little bit of oh, no, uh, you're an elitist you're a classist dude. yeah yeah Sorry. it's very true it's, it's so, yeah. so uh one of the things that i wanted to talk about with um with mr kim and and his smell is again that part of that element of like not being able to to deny who you are and and that is an element about him that no matter how much he try to to be someone else there's some characteristics about him that just can't be overcome. Again, getting back to some of that, uh, some of those levels of authenticity. But it's also of- so brilliant too, because it's the one, it's like one thing they didn't take into account with their heist. I love the detail of the kids saying like, Hey, they all smell the same because yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's like such a normal thing that you notice in everyday life is like, you go to someone's house or whatever you realize like, Oh yeah, these people are generally kind of smell the same. Or if, like well, I'm watching yeah. my nephews, like they have, you know, their clothes all have a smell that's very distinct for like their household or whatever. Yeah, and like you Not said, even- the the Park family, they're they are so oblivious to the Kim family that they don't even notice until yeah, the their only son, thing they notice is well, they don't even notice until their son says something. The line. It's it's when the son says that they all smell the same. Right, like they true. were so oblivious that it didn't even cross their minds. Also, again, the the way that Bong Joon-ho is able to use cinematic language to, to give so much meaning when Mrs. Park finally smells Mr. Kim, it's when she's in the car and she's taken her shoes off. Now, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but if I've been walking around uh, with no socks and doing a lot of errands and I'm in a, uh, a confined space and I take my shoes off, that's probably not going to smell so good. So, like, even though it's not explicitly stated in that scene, I very much uh, picked up on Mrs. Park is smelling her own goddamn feet and she is attributing her smell to, oh, well, I can't smell that way. So it must be Mr. Kim. I understand Mm -hmm. what my husband is talking about. Yes, he does have a smell. And, and not only that, but she's putting her feet up on the chair, which is right next to Mr. Kim and doesn't right. really give a shit of like whether she offends him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, oh, I it's it's such a beautiful scene because how much is conveyed in that. And Dan, like you said, no matter how good Mr. Kim is at his job, because these rich people still say, oh, well, he smells bad like that brings him back down. And every single time they don't even have to say anything like they just kind of go and and sniff and you mm-hmm. see his countenance change. And it's such amazing acting, such amazing directing. So much is conveyed in this movie. One of the other things that, that I love about uh, this is so weird, but one of the things that I love about the way that smell is used in a movie 
which is what most people <laughs> probably don't ever think about because we do not have smell of vision unlike Futurama. Uh, I, I mentioned this a little bit at the beginning when talking about uh, some of the very obvious uh, social uh, social and class uh, critiques of, you know, like, um, you know, the, the, the rich being up high, the poor being down low, water flows downhill, blah, 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 blah. In movies, the, the use of water is so frequently, you know, a baptismal scene like that. That's just kind of, you know, like film analysis 101. Whenever there is a scene where water is prominent, there is probably some element of character development or character <coughs> change. It is, you know, typically a very important scene, all this other stuff. And, and I love, love the way that this film addresses it in, in ways that might be a little bit more subtle. It's not explicitly stated because it's a great movie that doesn't need to spell things out for you. The way that for rich people, the, the, the rain and these water scenes are very cleansing because it's sort of like washing everything away. Uh, relating mm-hmm. it, Eric, to the, the scene that you were talking about earlier where Mrs. Kim said, um, or no, yeah, when Mrs. Kim said, if I was rich, I'd be nice too. And then I think mm-hmm. it's Mr. Kim says that, uh, no, is it Mr. or Mrs. Kim? I forget which one says that, uh, that money irons out those wrinkles. You know, when having money, money is money is an iron. Money is an iron. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're able yeah. to to smooth out some of that stuff. And so that's represented visually with uh, the the water from the rain, kind of washing things away. And you feel like, yeah, if I was at this super nice house up on the top of the hill and it was raining, like that'd be a really awesome night. How beautiful would that be? Yeah. And well, they for, and well, they still but, treat it like an inconvenience. They're still mad because sure, oh, yeah. the rain ruined our camping trip, and then the next day they're yeah. complaining about how it ruined. And like, oh yeah, it we ruined it ruined his birthday, so we're just gonna have a little uh, impromptu get together <laughs> yeah. where all of their friends are just happen to be readily available and can all show up at the last that minute. Has fucking cellists, you yeah. know. Yeah, they, they get cellists at the last minute just to go, sh- just to show like yeah. how much their of their privileges. And the next day, after the Kims have lost their entire home, they have to sit there and listen to them whine about the rain, even though well, it, yeah. they're still moving on with their life. Yeah, and that Sorry, entire yeah, birth- I mean, <laughs> it led me back to like, oh, what is that old saying? Like, it, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, and it's like, yeah, well, some people have fucking umbrellas, dude. <laughs> right? And, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> The same torrential downpour hit both these families. Here's one here's spent the, the goddamn because their whole house was flooded with this shit. Is, this is the, the other, true triple you know, trickle down economics. Well, and, <laughs> and here's the other element about that. Uh, you know, yes, yeah, so the rain falls on the poor uh, and and rich alike. The rich get to have umbrellas, though. But also, the and, and again, this is never explicitly stated, um, but I feel like there's enough context for this to be a very clear element for the rich. The the rain is representing of washing away some of these things. It is it is very cleansing. It's a cleansing element. Whereas for the poor, it is only causing more shit to rise. And mm-hmm. uh, the way that Mr. Park's smell or Mr. Kim's smell is worse after the rain this element that should be a cleansing element is only intensifying for um for this trait that he that he hates the most about himself uh which he probably didn't even think about as a negative trait until a rich person said aha this is obviously something very terrible about you (laughs) and and again the way that smell is represented visually (laughs) it's such a weird thing to say 
with the rain uh, and all the water going downhill again being very representative of class structure blah 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 but then in the kim household how the the toilet is higher than the Ugh. rest of their house they are literally yeah. lower than shit and when the when all that rain is coming in and they're sitting up there and all of the shit is spewing out of the toilet and it's like this is still the driest place in our house mm-hmm. it's still the richest place too because it's the only place they can get wi-fi, get wifi yeah yeah and my my favorite oh my well maybe my second favorite shot of the entire movie is of ki jung sitting on the toilet to prevent the shit from flooding in even though she's not actually stopping it from flooding in it's just not shooting yeah. up into the ceiling but her sitting on the toilet and then just reaching up and grabbing the pack of cigarettes and smoking a cigarette while sitting on the toilet as like it just spews everywhere for me is just like such a perfect visual mm-hmm. of like what it feels like to never be able to get ahead in life where it's like I'm sitting here and no matter how hard I try to get ahead, the shit just keeps coming out and I'm just going to have to do whatever I can to make it bearable in some way. Like I'm going to watch a movie and pretend that my house isn't destroyed because I can't keep up with it. Or, you know, like I think it's such (laughs) a brilliant, it's such a simple image, but it is so perfectly conveys like everything in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that element is, again, you, you don't have to explicitly say it, but it is so represented because of all of these other themes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like uh, when people talk about, oh, well, there's so much about this movie that's on the nose. Sure, there's enough that's on the nose to make the rest of these things so much deeper and, and give it so much more it, meaning. It feels like it is a very it's on the nose in a way that makes it the movie feels very equitable in its message where it's like i'm not gonna like like drown this thing in metaphor where you don't know exactly what i'm talking about like i want you to understand the message of the film but i'm also going to imbue it with all of these other little moments that will stick out to you know some people more than others or you know it's just there are so many little details throughout the film little visual flourishes and things that that really drive those points home in an emotional way it feels very shakespearean in nature in the way that shakespeare uh and and his dialogue would be so a lot of shakespeare's dialogue is incredibly on the nose well no no, but here's the thing (laughs) yes shakespeare's text can be read so very much on the nose but also there was a populist but also because but also because of his use of of wordplay and uh just the way that he would pick words intentionally that have double meanings it's mm-hmm. like sure you can read it with a very on the nose interpretation or you can read the exact same words very drastically different and and so like that's what i mean by it's very experience like yeah there is a ton in parasite that is incredibly on the nose but the exact same visual metaphor can have a much much deeper meaning um while while saying the exact same thing yeah also it gives you pause to actually explore all these to see if everything he is saying is imbued with deeper meaning. One of the things I picked out right at the beginning of the movie, when they're working on the pizza boxes, is the woman talks about, well, we're only going to give you this money because one out of every four of these pizza boxes is a reject. 
One out of each four. Each family is made of four. Yep. The rich and the poor. Each one has one family member die. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. fuck, it's- was the pizza box a goddamn metaphor for the movie? Like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's just I'm- one of those where he, he imbues every tiny little detail with such meaning. It makes you question. Yeah. Like, I'm looking up, like, plum wine and it's the importance of plum wine in Korea. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. He, when he looks at the plum wine, popular. That was one of the moments where he says, this is so metaphorical. <laughs> yeah. It could just be he really loves fucking plum wine. So he wanted to put it in the movie. But yeah, I'm looking up, you know. I wanted, I wanted to know, like, oh my God, what, what is the meaning of a scholar's rock in everything? What, how important is plum fucking wine? What, what laundry detergent do they use in Korea? You know? <laughs> well, and what's funny too is the movie almost like kind of like subtly makes fun of people for trying to find meaning in, in mm-hmm. the ordinary. Like the whole thing with the scholar's stone, where mm-hmm. like uh, Ki Woo just like, you know, I mean, the whole, the whole, plot is set in motion whenever Min shows up and brings it to them. It's like, yeah, this is supposed to bring you good fortune. And they're like, oh, this is a, like, Kiwoo, who's kind of like the young idealistic one, is like, oh, this is so great. And then the mom over here is like, oh, it would have been better if you just brought us food. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, why didn't you just give us food? Why would you give us this fucking rock? This doesn't and, do anything for us. And also, bringing it back to, to some of that identity and authenticity, that rock, the thing that he is trying to cling to so strongly because he thinks that it has meaning, because he thinks that this is the thing that somehow is going to, to bring him out of his current situation, is what ultimately kills him. And and so, yeah, we probably are putting way more into this movie than what is actually there. But also, I don't think so. I think every single sentence and every single shot is vastly intentional. Uh, and, and there's a couple yeah. other elements that, uh, that I wanted to mention. Um, a, a lot of these, well, uh, I think there's only like two or three more. These are basically just examples uh, kind of digging in even deeper to a lot of the stuff that we've already been saying. So we don't need to spend too long dwelling on any of them. Um, but I at least wanted to mention, uh, again, dealing with some of these themes of authenticity and and uh, being true to oneself. When, um, when Mr. Kim keeps almost crossing the line with Mr. Park, it's always Oof. when he says, uh, when, when Mr. Park says something about his wife and Mr. Kim says, but you love her, right? And like that's where he almost crosses the line. Aside from yeah. the smell, that's the part that almost crosses the line. And and when Mister Park is like, we'll call it love, sure. And like, <laughs> you you don't need all of the details about how broken their relationship is because you get enough of that from the scene. Mm-hmm. The, the the most intimate scene in the movie when they're on the couch is so. There's such a lack of intimacy because it feels so disconnected. It does not feel like well, a husband and wife. She's literally giving him directions on how to rub her nipple. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> Wrong direction. I love that. Oh, it's, yeah. like, it's like, holy shit. How disconnected do you he, that he literally has to teach her, treat her like a piece of machinery? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's exactly what it is. She is just another. She's just another tool in his toolbox to get what he wants. Like and, he yeah. doesn't. He, they don't value as even though they have all this wealth, they don't actually value anything, including each other. Well, yeah. and and that ties into a couple other elements. One of them being when the Kim family is playing rich. I 
love the fact that they are still a family. They are so still getting yeah. along. And, yeah, yeah, they're they're still they, being, even whenever they fight with one another, they're just playing around. Like that's part of them pretending to be rich. Yeah, is like yeah. I'm gonna. He's like, oh, you believe that I was going to punch her in the face, like choke her out or whatever, didn't you? <laughs> and and here is where some of that for me actually. And then also we didn't even mention whenever they are touching each other, whenever the the parks are touching each other. Um, they're pretending to be poor. She's yeah. like, give mm-hmm. me drugs or whatever. And he's like, oh, do you have those dirty, cheap panties? Go put those cheap panties on. <laughs> Which, again, <laughs> all of that tying into, I think, these themes of authenticity and identity. But the, the, the uh, Dan, when you said earlier, you do feel like the Kim family is being authentic because they are authentically grifters. Mm-hmm. For me, when they are being a family, when they are not concerned mm-hmm. about the world around them, when it is just them interacting with each other, that is when I feel like they are being authentic, when it is focusing on the family unit. Or even when Mr. and Mrs. Kim are walking into the house and he's grabbing her ass uh, and you know, like it's very flirty. That to me feels so authentic. And the reason that I want no, to bring up... That's why he really asks like, him, the other one, do you love your wife? Because right. it seems so foreign. I think him, yeah, he just doesn't understand. You don't love your wife? Like, right. like This and, doesn't sound like love. This is weird. And the reason that I wanted to really emphasize these elements of relationship, uh, not only between husband and wife, but also between the family, is Ki Woo's line at, towards the end of the movie when he's writing the letter to his dad. And he's like, Oof. and this is Eric, I said, I'm coming back to the all I need to do is be rich. Um, when he says, I'm going to ignore family, I'm going to ignore education, I'm going to ignore everything because all that I have to do is get money. Now, granted, he's doing that in an effort to try to save his dad. So there is still that element of trying to trying to save this element of who you are, trying to save who you want to be, trying to save uh, trying to save your your dad, your family. And I think there's again a lot of metaphor going on within that, not just oh, well, you're my dad. I think that it is in a way trying to show that he's trying to save his future. So I do think that there's a lot of stuff going on there, but the mm-hmm. way that he's like, I can ignore everything as long as i just get rich now again i think that his intention is good well now he doesn't say he's going to ignore like he says he's going to get a wife he's going to get an education and get a wife right no he's he was basically saying none of that stuff matters the only thing that matters the only thing that i'm going to focus all of my attention on from this day forward is getting rich to buy the house so that you can then come out which again that is like the thesis of this movie of I'm going to ignore education. I'm going to ignore family. I'm going to ignore happiness. The only thing that matters is, is getting money. all of this money so, bills, y'all. so that, and this is where, again, the two movies I feel like are, uh, are, are coming back together of the, the class structure and the authenticity getting all of this money so that I can finally let my true self out. And so it's like, I'm going to deny myself of everything so that I can be rich enough to not deny myself. And, and again, like, even though I think that the end of this movie yeah, it's, is the whole thing is like the, 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 the sad part of it is that you get the sense that they didn't really learn anything. <laughs> like he didn't really learn anything from this whole experience. He's, he still is just like, yeah, money will solve all my problems, right. which mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, 
kind of done. I mean, like that's that's the ultimate fantasy of being rich is like if you're rich, you have no problems. <laughs> well, you, you yeah, he has problems. Any contrary evidence that money won't solve all his problems? Right. Yeah. It's like my dad is 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 trapped in here, and like the, it, it also like they don't even he doesn't even take into account the fact that his dad is like wanted for murder or anything. Like even well, buying the ha- they, even in buying the house, rich, they're still then a they can prisoner. Just, yeah, but then you'd be a prisoner in a, a super nice house. Uh, I mean, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm, I'm, it, does gonna... make, it does make uh, <laughs> it's a better prison sentence than being in actual prison. Well, and there's there's a re- related element to that that I want to come back to in just a second. But it gets to be like Martha Stewart, exactly. With the um, <laughs> with the all that I need is money to to find happiness. While I do think that the ending of this movie is very sad and very depressing and very hopeless because it's like, yeah. Mr. Kim is going to die in the basement and uh, Ki-woo is never going to be rich. And because he is denying education and family and because he is denying everything else, he is going to be miserable because he is chasing money that he is never going to get. Um, And his sister is dead. And if he's, if Ki-woo is just focusing on money, he's probably going to be ignoring his mom. Like everything is falling apart just because of his focus on money. So I think that it is an incredibly, incredibly tragic ending and so very mm-hmm. sad it's also true that because of all of these themes it i there to me there's a slight glimmer of hope not with what is presented but almost like bong joon ho is giving a, a classic greek tragedy of i'm giving you this tragic ending in the story so that you can learn from it and not get yourself into this exact same situation to where it's like, yeah, money does change your problems. Uh, it, it doesn't get rid of all of them. You have a different set of problems if you were rich. Um, but what are you having to deny if that is your only pursuit? You know, like if you are denying education and you were denying family and you were denying freedom, if you were denying everything else just to focus on money, you got fucked up priorities. And and even though the Park yeah. family seems like a perfectly fine family, like they don't seem like villains, they don't seem like they're terrible people, none of them seem connected. Like I don't feel like they don't love each other. I just don't feel like they love each other. You know, like again, the husband and wife, that's not a scene of intimacy. That's, you know, tuning the knobs on the radio and hoping that the station comes in. Like there, there is nothing about that sex scene that feels romantic mm-hmm. and and so I, yeah. I i almost feel like there's a morality tale that bong joon ho is giving us of don't make these same bad decisions yeah sure money can solve this problem but what are you denying in yourself and what are you denying in your relationships and what are you denying in in the rest of your life if your only pursuit is money now of course i don't think that things are that simple but i i do you yeah. think that that is a message that he's trying to convey with this movie? Yeah, no, I 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say Mr. Park is a terrible person. Like, just straight up bad guy. Don't like him. Not cool. Uh, I, I don't think that he is maliciously bad, though. He might be oblivious. That makes bad. him worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's I just... think that there is a difference between someone who is so oblivious to the plight of others that they don't recognize how their decisions are harming others. I think that there is, that is someone who is very different than someone who knows that their decisions are hurting others and very intentionally 
continues to do them. I'm not saying that the one who is oblivious is a good person, but at least someone who's oblivious, I feel like there's still hope that maybe if they were informed, they might change versus someone who is malicious, who is just like, no, they already know. I think that you could argue that Mrs. Park is oblivious because she's so, you know, fussy and like involved in her own little like world. Like the house is her little world and she has her son who she's just constantly fussing over a song or whatever, where he's like, she, he's not really like, she acts like he's this awful kid who's going through all these like problems and traumas. And to be fair, seeing that ghost in the middle of the night would probably legitimately traumatize them. I mean, it did legitimately traumatize mm-hmm. him. He like, he like passes out at the end of the film whenever he sees mm-hmm. the ghost again, which my God, the shot of, of uh, the, the man up the, coming up the stairs with just his little head peeking over the corner and his eyes glowing is like the creepiest shit in any movie. That's terrifying. That's like the, the most incredible shot in the film, I think. But, um, but yeah, like she's just so, she's just like so single-mindedly trying to figure out that aspect of her life and trying to have so much control over him that she's like completely neglecting her other child. Um, everything about them is just so compartmentalized. Um, and they're just so in their own little world that, yeah, they, that Mr. Park is the only one who actually is like getting out of the office and, and being around other people. But the way that he's constantly talking about people crossing the line, in my mind, it tells me that he is very much aware of how he looks down on other people. Um, I, and he's I, also, I don't I mean, disagree, but I do think that that's also part of because I have money, I can afford to be whoever I want. And you don't get to tell me who I am. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the manipulative. I mean, that's the whole, like, you know, the, we're going to be repeating the things that other people have said so much about this movie, but of course, like the whole brilliant title of the movie parasite, like at the beginning, it's like, Oh yeah, these poor people are the parasites. They're, you know, leeching off the rich and getting themselves in like digging themselves into this family. But then of course at the end, it's like, it's obvious that, you get the line from Mr. Park where he's like, uh, Mr. Kim, we're paying you extra to do this. So obviously if we're paying you extra, you should be this native American and, and, you know, be a, a toy for my child well, and <laughs> you know, put on the native American headdress and let my child beat you up. Here's something else that I don't know because again, I've not listened to every, uh, every podcast and video analysis of parasite. Uh, so I don't know if any other, um, if, if anyone else has addressed this part of the name of it being Parasite, and, you know, sure, it's on the nose. But the fact that with Parasites, if you kill the host, you kill the Parasite. Like, the, the only way for a Parasite to survive is to, to have the host. It's not a symbiotic relationship. You know, the host doesn't want the Parasite. Right, yeah. But the Parasite is very much aware of the fact that if you... If if the parasite sucks too much out of the host, they kill the host, and then they don't have any way of, of sustaining themselves. Uh, right, and and so you know there there is also that element of, and again some of that ties back into the social structure of the the way that rich people feel like poor people are just parasites of trying to suck away all of their money. But also, even though the, they rely on the working class to amass wealth, yes, their even, wealth. not only do they rely on the working class to amass wealth, but also the way that because 
the working class or because the rich know they need the working class to amass wealth the way that the way that the rich uh almost like um they 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 almost make it clear to the working class yes you are a parasite you are a leech on society but you need us to be rich because if I'm no longer rich, then who's going to pay your bills? So you right, need yeah, me to course. be rich so that you can have a job. And, and if you have no upper mobility, it's because of these other people over here who are also just trying to get by, right? Like exactly. it's because of the immigrants. It's because of the, right. if, if you're you not know, getting enough, or whatever, if you're not getting enough sustenance, it's not Democrats. <laughs> Exactly. If if you're not getting Joe enough Biden. sustenance, it's because there is another leech. So you need to go take care of that leech and kill off that leech. Uh, is is kind of what's being done. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And oh god, there, again, so many themes at play. A couple of other really quick ones that I wanted to note about um, ab- uh, about uh, just a couple of other examples. We've talked about the the dude in the sub basement <laughs> a few times. He actually seems okay with his status you know up until the fact that he was starving for a week yeah up until th- i love then, this element i'm so glad you brought this up well up until then he's just kind of like yeah plenty of people live uh, underground plenty of people live in sub basements i'm mm-hmm. fine like he seemed not happy but at <laughs> yeah. least um content also is too good of a word for what i mean he seems very I mean, I think content is 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 accurate though like i and i also love too that even the 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 kims kind of look down on him they're like how can you live this way in this basement like not recognizing that they also live in a basement like the way that they live is not really much better well and also like i mean what Um, what does he need to do like he he eats and he's got uh, a structure over his head like yeah he's not getting out and going anywhere but I mean, are the Kims getting out and going anywhere? He's, they don't really actually, have a life either. So he almost seems he's almost he almost seems more than content, honestly, yeah. because he not only is he happy where he's at, but he spends hours of his day thanking the parks through Morse code through their light, and he spent he spends so much time. Or he, he well, I guess he says he literally does it every single day. Like he studied mm-hmm. Morse code. He studied how to do this. He's put all this time and energy into thanking them and they do not see him at all. They have yeah. no idea that he is there. Well, and he is invisible. And it it's like it reminds me so much, especially lately, of like how now that fucking Elon Musk has bought Twitter, if you ever look at any Elon Musk tweet mm-hmm. and look at the replies to it, there are like hundreds if not like thousands of people who are commenting on them being like yeah you go elon you go buy up all this other stuff and we love what you're doing and you're so great and it's like he has like he does not you are a fucking ant under his boot dude yeah you why do you dedicate so much of your life to kneeling before this man who could not give a shit that you are here using his platform at all well because they hope that one day they could be yes they, they hope that one day they'll be noticed and yeah he, they will be they will be called up onto the altar for to be uh, they'll be anointed much like Mr. here's Mark. here's one of the things that i love so much about that example and so much about how the the parks don't even they don't even 
uh, know that someone's living under their basement. They are completely oblivious. Here's what makes that even better. Not only are they oblivious, not only is he invisible to them, he is a ghost to them. The kid has seen him. and, And rather than the family saying, oh, why was someone in our house? It was there is a ghost. This person is less than a human. He's not even a real person. He is that invisible to us, even though our son clearly says that he exists. No, there's literally no possible way for him to exist. And so yeah, we can't like, fathom. Yeah. And like, sure, that's a fun little uh, plot point of, well, this is explaining you know why the kid is a little bit traumatized and this is explaining why they have to sneak around and like there's the plot element of how that is or there, there's the plot element of why it's presented but then there's the thematic element of what it means for him to have been seen and for the only logical explanation to be it's a ghost it's not even yeah. a real person no and and relating it to the the Elon Musk example that you just gave all of those people praising Elon Musk, they like they are ghosts to him. They are not even yeah. a real person. It's not that he doesn't notice that they exist. It's no, you are less than existence. And yeah, again, so so many thematic elements at play. I well, love this movie. The other thing too that that just kind of occurred to me that I find really interesting is you know the they I, I love the. A subtle bit of foreshadowing with Moon Guang, the original housekeeper, mm-hmm. and how uh, I think it's Mr. Park at one point says something like, "Oh yeah, she eats like a she it's she, it's like she's Eat eating for two, two, yeah, or something like that's how much she eats." And of course, you know, you find out later that she really is eating for two. But what I love about it is that they these people are supporting this man. And it is not like affecting them in any way. Like they they are providing every bit of the financial and and every bit of the financial support for this person to live off of them. And they are not like affected by it in any way. It does not affect their wealth in any way. I mean, it's it's such a great metaphor for like how often we talk about like taxing billionaires. Um, and people freak out about like putting them putting billionaires in this higher tax rate, despite the fact that like it would not change their way of life in any conceivable way. Like it, yep. they they have so much money that it is obscene, and you could take away like eighty percent of it, and they would still be perfectly well off and fine, and it mm-hmm. would not change their way of life in an iota. Um. But yeah, I, I just I love that element of it as well. Yep. Oh uh, man, what a great movie! It's Such a great best movie. movie. It's just it's it's like the best picture, right? Has there been a better best picture winner, Oscar winner, in like mm. ever or the last decade? Even I mean, the only the only one that I feel like is as worthy is maybe like Moonlight or Shape of Water comes pretty close. I love Shape of Water, but like, especially where like. None of the actors got nominated. God, you know, oh my god, which what, is what so fresh. Time a film this good. This is the year that Joaquin Phoenix won Best Actor for Joker. What? Uh, what? God bless. I'm sorry to be interrupt, but like, <sighs> uh, 
Yep. Not a single acting nomination for this film. And honestly, like every single person in this movie could have been nominated. But like for me, I- I'm curious if anybody else agrees with me on this. I think that the standout performance is Cho Yo Zhang, who plays Mrs. Park. I think that that is an incredibly difficult performance to pull off because she has to be she has to play it off as so naive that mm. these people could conceivably pull off, pull the wool over her eyes so well. But she's also like, you do kind of genuinely sympathize with her whenever she's like upset about her son. And, but then she also toward the end of the film, whenever she's oblivious, to everything around her, you like kind of hate her. Oh. I don't know. Like what the, the balancing act of that performance is so brilliant and in the wrong hands, it could come off as, too comical or too absurd or too dumb and she just like it's a high wire act that she just pulls off so well i think it's absolutely brilliant that's one of the things one of the many many things that i love about this movie um first off like Like her reactions whenever she whenever she's shocked by something is so great too (laughs) because like you get the sense that she's genuinely shocked but that she's also sort of affecting it because like i don't know it's just i I can't even describe it. So a lot of it. Yes, I definitely think is the acting a lot of it. uh, I also definitely think is the directing. And one of the things that I love so much about this movie is, you know, like I said at the beginning, I wasn't expecting this movie to be as funny as it was. I was expecting it to be a lot darker, but all of the humor felt natural. None of it felt like Mm. a joke. The things that were funny were just because they were funny situations or because it was a sitcom. <laughs> you know, like, uh, as tense as the scene was when the, the Kim family is, you know, pretending to be rich and they're all drinking and uh, all the they have all the food out on the table and then Mrs. Park calls and says, oh, we'll be home in, you know, like 10 minutes. Go ahead and make some Ram Dom. And, uh, and then... She's like, like, what the fuck is Ram Dom? <laughs> <It's> Ram Dom. <laughs> That's I, fine. I love... That's such a great sequence. It's so <clears throat> frantic and just... Well, uh, it, it feels like a sitcom. It feels like yeah. a, like an early to mid-90s like yeah you watch these people every single week because you know what crazy shit are they going to get into this time <laughs> they're but, literally sweeping the crumbs under the couch <laughs> like but, it's but like so the, funny. the stakes of if they get caught felt so heightened which mm-hmm. in a way somehow made it funnier because of like that nervous tension which again mm-hmm. like goes back to what Dan uh, you said when we were doing our punch out of why you wanted us to even do the South Korean cinema of how many tones are are balanced so well and how many different genres are it's, thrown in together it's got it, that like high energy classical music that's playing to during the whole time during the, during the background of it it feels almost looney tunes esque yeah <laughs> like it's it's so funny because it feels so real and it feels so real which adds to the tension but the tension only makes the comedy that much more important mm-hmm. because of how it's releasing the tension. And it's so And great. then it ends with the the punchline of that whole sequence is when Mrs. Kim uh, kicks Moon Gwang down the stairs and the music <laughs> drops out. And like when she falls down the stairs, it's it, it gets completely quiet and then you only hear and only hear the sound of her head hitting the wall. Yeah. And it's like you're kind of like laughing at it, at the absurdity of it. But then as soon as her head hits the wall, it's like your fucking stomach drops out. You're like, Oh shit. This is the moment where this is the, like, that's the point that I think you were talking about earlier, Nathan, where it's like, this is where the shit really hits the fan. And things are like 
I, this is where the the tragic nature of the story like really yes yeah. and, and, and the way that down the stairs is so casual yes. it's yeah she doesn't <laughs> even look back at it like yeah yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was literally about to say that, and again, like all of that is happening around, bringing back uh, some cinematic elements. All of it is happening around a rainstorm. All of this is happening around yeah. the quote unquote baptism scene of, of the movie, mm-hmm. and it's oh god, it's done so well. And then the uh, tension of them being they're 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 all hiding in different places, and they all eventually get stuck under the coffee table, and it's yeah, the, the, just the the buildup of which it, so. that is such a sitcom trope. <laughs> Oh, of like, course, yeah. Literally, literally hiding <laughs> under a table so you don't get caught. They were talking about like, and their the production design uh, notes on this were talking about how like they literally had to build a table because you know an ordinary table is not going to actually be big <laughs> enough to hold you know three people underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the the whole the production design of this movie is so incredible. Like they built it, it's 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 so invisible, but like this entire movie takes place on sets like yeah. they the street that the the Kim family lives on was built inside of like a water tank and there are blue <laughs> screens everywhere in the if in the uh, like there's this great visual effects video that I shared with you guys where you can see the blue screens but yeah they built this entire street and they just put blue screens up and so the stuff in the distance is you know all visual effects and it's completely you would never notice it like in the scene where they flood the street both times I watched the movie before I actually watched the video, the visual effects, I was like, how did they do this? Like mm-hmm. I, I was completely dumbfounded by how they were able to pull that off. Um, but yeah, they just built a set and the, the, the park's house is just a one story thing that they built. The second story is all digital. The inside of the house is all on a, on a, like a back lot somewhere. Um, and it's just completely seamless. Like whenever they're looking out the windows, they're not actually looking out. And it's just like a green space. There aren't really that many trees or anything out there. That's it's. I don't know. It's it just goes to show like how much Bong Joon Ho needed to control every element of this, and how he wanted to build a space that could accommodate the cameras, but also like give you this sense of history and and tell you so much about who these characters are visually. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, it's it's so admirable to see a filmmaker. And it's not like this is a super expensive, I think the budget for this movie is like $13 million. So it's not like Man. a high budget movie, but like it goes to show you how good of a filmmaker he is that he put this much attention to detail on every facet of it to be able to control every single element of it. So you, you know what I was just thinking about? Two things. One, uh, going back like, you know, half a minute to to the quality of the acting quality of directing and yes, sorry. <laughs> no no you're you're good um the the quality of the acting quality of directing i don't feel like there's any simple characters like they all feel dynamic they all feel uh like you're rooting for all of them at some point you get mad at mm-hmm. all of them at some point there's not a clear villain and a clear hero the the people that you are rooting the most for are doing some pretty horrific things and the people that yeah. you're probably vilifying the most are just being a family, a broken family, but just kind of existing. Yeah, and I mean, so, the whole thing is predicated on them. Like, we want to bring someone in to help our child. Yeah. To help and our so, children. Yeah. So I yeah. love how this movie is not simple uh, with its characters. The other thing that I was thinking about when you're talking about the set design and, and all of those elements uh, and how... 
you know, it's been mentioned a number of times, the, uh, uh, the Kim family living in that sort of half basement, how they are, they are underground, they are poor, but because they're not like the guy living uh, underneath the Parks family, but underneath the Parks house, because they have windows, they still have hope. Like that element's been talked about plenty. Yep. There's so, the uh, windows are such a great motif that are used throughout. Well, the and movie. yeah, and uh, one of the things that that I was thinking about with that, you know, tying it back in with some of that authenticity that I've been talking about of how um, how it's not just hope, but also with living in that half basement they're able to be confined and spend a lot of time focusing on who they are but also since they do see the outside world they are still influenced by the outside world and so that then shapes who they are and who they want to be etc cetera, etc cetera. the other thing that i was thinking about as uh, as i was thinking about that when you were talking about it uh and the actual set design the kim family their house was a real set. Everything in their house was real. Things yeah. outside of their house were fake. The Park family was not a real house. The second story didn't actually exist. So taking some metatextual things about how the movie was made and applying it to the plot of the movie or to the themes of the movie... The, the the way mm. that the park family was constructed was through a facade the the core of how the kim family was constructed mm. was real and what they were uh what was outside of them what they were aspiring to was fake uh and i mm. just find that you know it, well un- even just like but still fascinating their their house is so packed full of just like there's just shit everywhere. Not like actual shit, but like they just have stuff everywhere yeah. because like they don't have a lot of room to put it in there. But like that again lends a lot of authenticity to them. They feel like for people, they have all these things that have meaning to them. And then when you look at the <clears throat> the Park family, their house is just open. Like the only thing they have a few like paint portraits of themselves and then the uh, picture that uh, the song drew. But like when you look around at all of the different rooms and things in the house, there's not really much personality to it. Um, it's gorgeous. But like even whenever you, I love the uh, that basement stairway that's just open. It's just like a black void with the uh, like the china that's situated all around it. It's like you get the, this is not something that means anything to them. This is right. just another thing that they put up as an indication of their status and their wealth yeah um yeah and 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 the one thing i live in where i have you know tons of pictures of my kids everywhere and also like clothes and shit all over the place because i can never get my house exactly as clean as i would love it to be and is like i look at the the parks house and i'm just like oh man wouldn't it be great to have a house with just open spaces and you don't have to like trip over toys and shit everywhere you go but but, but, but like, like, it also like you said, everything that they have no is just, it. yeah, it's all just, here's a thing. And also you can see that even then in the lighting too, like it's, yeah, it's very well, like green and white and, 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 then, and also when, when the Kim, uh, um, the, just about the only thing in the Kim house that isn't functional is that stupid <laughs> rock. And when their house floods, <laughs> the one thing that uh, that Kiwu tries to save is that stupid rock, the least functional thing 
because right. it is a status yeah. of of wealth somehow. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. There's, it is. Point, yeah. God, it is so fascinating. All right. We um we there is still a ton that we could talk about. But I feel like at this point, most of it is going to be just additional examples of these deeper themes that we've been talking about. <laughs> so I want to move on to a segment that I'm starting to call. What the, what the fuck is wrong with some people who watch movies? <laughs> Where we talk? We're not judging people, but uh, what the fuck is wrong with them? We are not <laughs> judging people. We're not judging people. However, uh, let's look at some of the lowest ratings for Parasite on Letterboxd. So one of them, uh, half, st- and and again, I don't want to actually say the names of the, any of the people who wrote these because we really aren't trying to vilify anyone who has different opinions. Different people can get different things out of movies. That is totally fine. Also, with as much as we got out of this movie, I find some of these low ratings fascinating. So we have this shit is so with like 15 O's uh, and then sleep emojis. So they couldn't even <laughs> couldn't, couldn't even take the time to write boring. Just this shit is so three sleep emojis. Uh, <laughs> an, another half star rating. Holy fuck. But fuck is just spelled FK. Holy fuck. This movie is so cancer bad. Uh, yeah. Okay. Another half star rating shit overrated. Another. <laughs> I love this one. Another half star probably wouldn't happen in real life. that's actually pretty amazing i I like that one that's pretty great another half star rating (laughs) fuck you letterboxed film students this was genuinely awful maybe artsy social dramas aren't for me or you were all blinded by the fact that this was in all caps korean uh yeah which is very interesting (laughs) The that fact that it had to be in all caps, it feels Korean like movies very, usually don't uh, get the recognition they deserve. It, it well, and yeah, the fact that they put Korean in all caps feels like a very Karen, like just yelling Korean kind of thing. This one okay. I find fascinating. Just wait for it, wait for it. You're gonna love the first word of this quasi lengthy review. Uh huh. Japanese films these days oh, are undeniable. Yeah. Wait for it, it gets even better. Yeah, I read that one. <laughs> Japanese films these days are undeniably boring, but with the exception of Drive My Car, none of them have won any major awards and they have been widely criticized in Japan. What I don't agree with, however, is that Parasite won the top prize at the traditional Oscars. It was a very puzzling result. When I saw the film, I was utterly disgusted by the arts and crafts like script. I was also surprised by the poor direction. (laughs) <laughs> just when i thought korean cinema was headed for a disastrous period the academy awards gave top honors to this crappy korean film this is in a word a disappointment it, if, uh, yeah. if they had written japanese once i could understand maybe that they just like how, how do they put japanese near twice and korean in here twice do they know where this movie came from yeah i don't know it's very they confusing. think they're the same place like I, man <laughs> Maybe like Korea is a suburb of Japan or something. I don't know. Yeah. This all right. This one is fascinating to me. There's so many of these. I really hated this. I'm uh, no punctuation. I really hated this. I'm sorry. I don't think I could ever get myself to rewatch. Here, here's here's the greatest thing about that. It has the little arrows showing that it was a rewatch. Oh. So. Uh-huh. 
interesting. Yeah. I just, I don't. Yeah, most of these reviews are just kind of like, oh, I hate it. Uh, not my vibe. Left me to make new, you know, it's kind of like, there's not really like much. Uh, I'm trying to find one where like people have like some legitimate critiques of the film. But, uh, oh, this one's great. Couldn't understand it. It was in a different language. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. Uh yeah, I mean like I don't I don't know. One just says this movie is also shit and it but it was tagged with spoilers, which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh I don't understand why this one has a half star and a heart. One of the worst films that baited everyone into liking it. Bong Joon Ho is one of the worst directors working today. All caps, he killed Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I saw that. It was pretty funny. There was one that I liked earlier that was kind of funny where it basically said, like, change my mind. This sucks. Neil Breen could have made a better movie. But also, Bong is a cool name, though. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Oh, yeah. It's so, so funny. I don't know. These are, these are pretty, uh, I don't know. Like, the, the crazy thing is there's just not really, uh. I shockingly, there aren't many uh, reviews of much substance. <laughs> so many of them just say eh, kind of mid. Like, is oh, I don't know what this is. I guess I'm showing my age. Like, I see people call things mid all the time, but I don't really know what. I, I assume like mid range. Like, yeah, it's not good. It's not bad. It's kind of kind of. But like, the road, these are half star reviews. I, 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 mean, I, don't I don't know. know Maybe they're just going uh, like the binary. It's either half star or five. Okay. Okay. I found. I found the review so this is a review by patrick bateman legit literally it says the person is patrick bateman and it has a picture of patrick bateman as this as this thing i cannot believe that the poor family would go to such an extent to gain wealth to just end up being poor again (laughs) completely (laughs) exemplary of poor people no work ethic get a job and stop complaining And the name is Patrick Bateman. It's Patrick Bateman. Okay, no, like I'm following. I'm following that guy because if if he does all his movie reviews in a Patrick Bateman type voice, I think I'm, that's. I think that's exactly what this is. I'm I'm looking it up now. Let's see here. <laughs> Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. Donald Trump's cameo should have been longer. His review of Ratty Ratatouille says this rat can outcook the head chef at Dorsha. <laughs> God, this is so good. There are only a few reviews on it, which is kind of disappointing, but it looks like somebody gave up the uh, joke at a certain point. Oh, very (laughs) review Fight Club. Very relatable, though Tyler Durden might consider using Clinique's skincare line and incorporating Valentino suits into his everyday wardrobe. (laughs) Oh, man. What a great, what a great thing. Anyway, um, yeah. Good movie, Parasite. I love it. Uh, that Patrick Bateman review was so good. good. <laughs> Midsommar. I don't quite understand this one, but something similar once happened to my buddy Paul Allen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's so good. Oh, this is so funny. Yep. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Alright, let's, let's move on. It's anyway, getting late. Yeah. What, what yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of the other things that I find fascinating, Eric, like you said, so many of those low reviews are just, like, none of them are actual critiques of the movie. None of them are getting into like, what they think makes the movie bad. And again, it is perfectly fine for different people to have different interests. <laughs> I've used this as an example before. We're going to use it as an example again. It follows. I do not love but like 
there there are reasons why I don't love it. I find it so fascinating the the discrepancy between the lowest ratings for movies and the highest ratings for movies because a lot of the five star reviews are like very detailed about why it's so great. But then there's also uh, others like uh, one of them just says fucking capitalism, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love a good like just pithy uh, jokey review, whether it's five stars or half star or whatever. That's that's fine as long as it's, you know, good and actually funny. Yeah, I just Um, I, I don't understand why people that hate movies so much watch them. Like all the people are like, I hate reading movies. Okay, then why are you even bothering to watch a, a dubbed or a, a, a subbed movie? You know? I mean, I think it's kind of the thing you get with a movie like Parasite where it like punches through the cultural consciousness so hard that even people who don't really watch these types of movies are going to go out and check it out. And they're, I mean, I, I'm i making a, a judgment on these people that are doing this, but like it feels to me like these are a lot of people who probably just like, throw something on and have it on the background while they're doing shit on their phone, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, you really can't do with a, a uh, Korean film unless you speak the language. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's just either that or they're just looking for some attention on letterbox, which, you know, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> which, it, it is pretty which, interesting. Which then to, you're giving them, but that's yeah, also of part that's of why I don't read the names of the people. Uh, we're taking that read these things. Uh, yeah, all those people are wrong. Parasite is an amazing movie. Um, it's it's great. I love it. I adore it. I want to watch it again. Not right now. It's good. It's late, and it is pretty sad at the end. And I don't want to be sad right now. It is, man. What a great ending. That's so. I like a worse version of this movie. I feel like so often with these types of movies, it's like, yeah, we want to make a a an open-ended ending where, you know, the audience can decide what actually happens or whatever. And this movie starts to do that. And then it brings you back down where it goes through the whole fantasy of Kiwu, you know, becoming rich. And it's, it's just so heartbreaking because like, I don't really know if he actually believes in this. Like you have this, you have that other scene earlier in the movie with, him and his dad in the gym and his dad's like why should we even make plans like what's the point of ever making a plan if you don't ever have a plan then you'll never be disappointed you'll never like you know you'll never fail at anything you'll just keep going on you, you know see this this makes me so happy that we're following this movie up with with the handmaiden oh god because <laughs> another film about social class and social structure it's also got grifters but there are plans. There are some very interesting parallels between the two movies, but they are mm-hmm. wildly different. Yes. I um, still have not seen it, so I'm uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, the, the ending but, is, yeah. It, it's so heartbreaking because of, because of that line of don't make plans because you're just going to be disappointed. And then it ends with the son making a very singular plan to be able to free his dad. A, vi- well, a very broad plan to be fair like he i mean you also have the line earlier in the film too where like whenever they're uh forging all of the the documents forging his like uh his diploma uh and his transcripts and stuff he says like i don't actually think of this as as uh a forgery or whatever i don't God, I, I forgot I, about that because I'm i plan go to eventually yeah. go on to get the degree like i'm going to get this i'm just getting it a little early and then it ends with him saying ignore my education i'm just gonna do this and 
one of the things that's so heartbreaking about the ending is because it shows you like it doesn't just have him saying i'm just going to get rich and buy the house one day it shows you it shows you that fantasy yeah it shows you all that needs to happen for this dream to be realized for his dad to to be freed and safe again is just to have money and you are on board with the fantasy but then when it cuts back to him like it it hammers that nail in that coffin of you know it's impossible he woo refuses to accept that it's impossible yet but that doesn't change the fact yeah it's impossible this is never going to happen and like it well yeah let's right back to the opening shot of the film with yeah you see their window and you you pan down it's that's yeah the fact I, that bong took an extra mile like, to show you that like he it's like this is not really the open-ended ending you expect it's like i'm telling you right now that what he is saying is a fantasy yeah <laughs> that what you just saw did not actually happen. Yeah. He is still in that basement and that is probably where he'll stay. And and it's sad and it's and again, it's because there's just no upward mobility and anytime you try to get any kind of upward mobility, you're immediately not only knocked down a peg but completely like like knocked down even a peg farther. Knocked down comically large stairs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and absolutely. Wasn't wasn't it snowing uh, in that final scene? It is Can snowing, it? I believe. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, I mean, you get the him. He goes up into the mountain, and it's snowing. And oh, I love the fact that he that Keytake is now using the Morse code that uh, <laughs> the other guy was doing. And of course, the new family who's moved in doesn't see it. Yeah, but, they're just so oblivious. But Key Woo notices it. So um, with with it snowing, there is one very clear reading on the ending of this film. It's the winter of their discontent. No, they're in one of Krampus's snow globes. All oh right. God! So, <laughs> I mean that 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 set literally was in a water tank. So I mean it's and also know. the ending very closely uh, mirrors the ending of Krampus, where you get that nice happy ending and then the look to camera to let you know this ain't real. All right. Yeah, and also uh, R.I.P. Ki Jung. It's very sad. Yeah. I also love too that uh Ki Woo he has all that head trauma he's he has the head trauma and so like his reaction to the, the tragedy of everything is to just laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, God. It, tragedy. Yeah. The the more things you say, the more it makes me want to keep analyzing the I fact know, that we so had good. been laughing through this movie with some of the trauma that had been going on, and then you end with you don't know how to handle situations, so you just laugh, just like this movie has been making you do for the last two hours. Gah. Damn you, Bong Joon-ho, making perfect movies. Uh, perfect movie. Yeah. So good. All right. We've been talking for a very long time. Let's end before we get tempted to say <laughs> even more words. Dan, where do you want people to find you? You can find me over on Twitter at from HBO Front Row. <clears throat> and Eric, uh, where can people find you kicking your tweets downstairs? Um, I'm on Twitter at the Chimerican, T-H-E-C-H-I-M-E-R-I-C-A-N. I am also on uh, Instagram at Chimerican Reviews and on Letterboxd at Eric J-A-Y. And you can follow me slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd at Video Monster Pod. You can also follow me personally on Letterboxd at The Gargoyle. That's G-A-R-G-Y-L-E because it's a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. And Eric, if people enjoyed our in-depth analysis with Parasites, uh, what should they do? Uh, yeah, you should uh, 
check us out on all of your different uh, podcast platforms and give us five star reviews. You know, give us the give us the best picture win of podcasting, which is just you know some five star reviews. Uh, spread the love, of video monsters. Like, follow us on social media and. Uh, yeah, do all that kind of stuff. Tell us, tell us that you like us. Basically, we're just looking for your approval uh, and validation at all times. So please do that. Tell us that we do not have the stink of a bad podcast. Uh, yes. And <laughs> why should they keep coming back? Uh, they need to come back so they can find out what exactly a I think it's a jade jade purse. Is in uh, the Handmaiden, uh, <laughs> the, the Chan Park Park Chan Wu film that we cover next. Uh, yeah, that's a little tease there for you, Nathan. I am so curious and cannot wait to see it. The Handmaiden is. I I just oh god, I cannot wait to hear the experience you had watching this movie mm-hmm. because I knew nothing. I knew very little about it going into it, which is the best way to watch it because like. Yeah. It's just constantly throwing. It, it goes some places. It's oh god! It's so I cannot wait to talk about this movie. <laughs> well, you're gonna uh, have to wait to talk about it because um, we're not recording it yet. I've not even watched it yet. So, so yeah, have to wait. Get on it, Nathan. I stop know, editing I... podcasts and shit and watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, and Dan, why should they come back after The Handmaiden? What have we got coming up next? Well, uh, for our... Oh, Christ, what was the uh, the funny pun you actually had for it? Oh, no. Uh, oh. Eric came up with that one. <clears throat> monochrome We're going monochrome for-, for the holidays. Monochrome for the holidays as we explore modern day, post-1966, I believe, uh, black and white films, uh, and those polls are still open. They can still be voted on. I am so vote. looking forward to this one. Mm. Not only to the movies that will inevitably make it to the end, but I'm I'm looking forward to this punch out because I this is I'm just yeah. invested enough to be emotional at the ones that are going to lose. But I'm also, but I'm also always fun. (laughs) But I'm also so wildly interested in so many other movies that I've not yet seen Mm -hmm. that this one's really going to be like our theme punch out where it's just like I'm not going to be sad at all with whatever wins because I I want. Yeah, go ahead. I feel like my allegiances are going to swing wildly in this one. Like I might jump on a bandwagon and then jump right back off it for another one. Every. (laughs) I don't know. There, there's only I, I have an argument for almost every film we've got in the mm-hmm. poll right now. It's, it's probably probably the most eclectic group mm-hmm. of movies we've ever done for a popcorn punch out. And yeah. there's mm-hmm. one that is like I really, really, mm-hmm. really want it to make it to the end, but it's gonna depend so much on the pairings and uh, yeah. You but, never know. Listen, Nathan, if Zathura can win in an alien <clears throat> Popcorn punch out. Anything can happen. If invaders Anything. from Mars can make it to the that end, that too. Yeah, there's what a weird punch out that was, man. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one that we covered? I don't even remember. I almost said under the skin, oh, but that wasn't. No, oh, that's right. That was a twenty-four. Um, it was. I totally forget. And then there were Spring Breakers, which had a character it, named Alien in it. So. It was probably something that made sense as to why we're covering it, and that's why we can't remember. 
See, that's the thing. Invaders from Mars, though seemingly the most, um, the most like outright aliany movie, questionably didn't actually happen. And Zathura <laughs> possibly didn't actually happen. And yeah, so I love the fact that our all-out alien attack did not actually have any aliens attacking. Uh, <laughs> oh, and and Robert is telling us that it was under the skin. Because our A24 was Swiss Army Man, uh, Spring Breakers, and uh, the Lighthouse. So, oh, that's right. Okay, right. okay, yes. that's. I forgot it was just like a lead-in to... Yeah, that's right. okay. that was... Man, what a wild alien theme that was, where there was oh. no actual alien attacks. Of course, yeah. So it was... A, okay, yeah, that makes... I can't believe I forgot that. Wow, yeah. <clears throat> We're going to have to redo that one. All right. Uh, yeah, and if you enjoy all of this conversation, be sure to follow us in Discord, where we record our episodes, usually Tuesday nights around 9 or 9.30. We've got kids, and my kids are still very young. So when we actually record, uh, it depends greatly on whether or not they are cooperating with sleep. So, uh, yeah, we, we try to be as consistent as we can. We, we, we got kids. You can wait until they're asleep. <clears throat> we got, because we we got kids. To. You said that as if you got like a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Or something. <laughs> I've got kids, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Kids are not the disease. Kids are wonderful and I adore them. It's also true that they take a lot of energy. So, uh, yeah, we try to record Tuesday nights around 9 or 9.30 uh, Eastern time. Um, and, yes, in Discord, that is what I was talking about. The link for Discord is in the episode description. So just scroll down wherever you're listening to this. Click on that link. Join us. Uh, and you especially want to be a part of our popcorn punch outs because uh, we sometimes can very easily be swayed by the audience telling us that uh, the, a certain movie is better than the others. Or sometimes that just adds to the drama of yelling at someone else for why did you vote for a terrible movie? And then I have to once again defend my terrible choices. So be sure to follow us in Discord, be a part of the conversation throughout the week, and be a part of the uh, the drama. There's Dance Cat again. Be a part of the drama. Looking uh, directly down the barrel of the camera there. He's, the, the cat is letting us know that this is all just a dream. Um... <laughs> All right. Uh, I was I was gonna say uh, something else, but I can't really remember what it was. That's uh, just, you know, the the, the last thing that I want to say about Parasite is the entire movie. You know, I just kept wondering <laughs> they had done anything else and had just made different decisions with their life. All right, that's been <sighs> it for this episode of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously but not ourselves. Good night, everybody. I've been staring at this cupcake the entire time because I thought we would have a little more banter at the beginning. <laughs>